Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. And today we are going to be digging into love. Humble the poet, Kanwar Singh, is a Canadian-born rapper, spoken word artist, poet, international best-selling author, and former elementary school teacher. What began as reciting spoken word poetry in coffee shops to impress girls evolved into a creative adventure that has spanned the last 10 years, crossing genres, mediums, and oceans. His first two releases, Unlearn and Things Nobody Can Teach Us, have become international bestsellers. His new book, How to Be Loved, is out now. Welcome, Humble. Thank you so much for having me. I could really, really use your help. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to my season five opener, go back and listen to that. But in the event that you don't, I need your support. If you've been listening to me for a while, or even if you just started, you can go to Patreon and put in Dr. Amy Robbins. And there you can find different levels in which you can support the podcast financially. At this point, I have no ads. I have no um, sponsors. I am solely self-funding this podcast, and it would really, really help me out if you've gotten something out of this podcast, if you could donate $5, $10, or even $20 a month just to help me out, to help support the podcast. I'm continuing to work to try to get sponsors, to try to get advertisers. But until that happens, I need your help. And there are other ways to support the podcast. In addition to Patreon, you can like the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can rate and review the podcast. I always love reading your reviews. They're really heartwarming to me. And it's the emotional currency that I get 
from providing you with this resource. So uh, please, please take a moment to just help me out here. You can also find the links in this um, episode, in the episode notes, as well as on my website at dramyrobbins.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Did, is, is that the way we say it? How to be loved? Because I think it's it's the entree into the conversation that I want to have today. Yeah, I think, you know, it- I think people are looking for more love in their life. So, you know, it's kind of, I was trying to kind of play with the title. So, you know, it's how to be loved, but, you know, we put the D in parenthesis because the kind of spoiler alert is to be loved is to be love. Yeah. So let's start there. This realization for me personally has just crystallized so clearly in, in recent weeks. Um, but how, when did you discover that you were love, that you are love? Um. I think after a, a failed relationship, I failed, uh, I was engaged and um, we didn't take it to the next chapter. Um, I think at that point, I, I took a deep dive to kind of figure out why. I, I think it was clear in that situation that it wasn't a, I wasn't with a, a, a bad person. I was with an amazing person, but there was something on my end that was denying me the ability to receive, kind of receive the love that was kind of given to me by that other person. And also realizing that that love, I had love in my family, I had love amongst my friends, but it kind of felt like I was closed off to all of it. And I was really trying to figure that out. Um, and as I took that deeper dive, I started realizing that it wasn't about receiving or giving love. It was really about creating these pathways for love to flow. So, and the love was kind of a constant and always there. But if we have a bunch of junk and debris clogging up these pathways, then you know, we'll never receive that love. And then we'll think we can't find it. So for me, you know, it's, it's starting to realize that love is the breeze and the work is opening the sail more so mm. than it is to find that breeze. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once that happened, um, I realized that I, I myself was the source of that love. You know, I contributed to that flow of love uh, and the work that I had to do with other people, with myself and with any activity or anything I wanted to do in my life was to, you know, establish that pathway keep that pathway clear, reinforce that pathway and understand what some people, places, things, and myself, it could be easier than with others. And how did you begin to do that? I think, I think you're talking about this moment that so many people have where they're sort of searching outside of their themselves. And then it sounds like you were brought to your knees in a way by this failed relationship. And how did you begin to search for the love within you? Because I think so many people would just go looking for that with someone else again and make the mistake of perhaps not finding it again, because like you said, it's within us. Yeah. I think what I, what I quickly realized is, you know, especially as a, as a guy who's in a long-term relationship, you know, the moment you become single, you're like, yeah, I'm single. And then you, you over correct the other way. And then you start to realize, you know, the attention, the affection, the sex, the whatever you you begin chasing as a single person, all of these are like facsimiles of love. Like they're still they're still related to love in some capacity. And every so often you're given these kind of harsh reminders that this isn't love. You know, the moment, you know, you're you're at a nightclub and you meet a pretty girl and you're chatting or whatever, and even if you become intimate with that person, 
you know, there's going to be a moment where they remind you that, look, you're not my person. Like this was fun, but like, you're not a priority in my life. And then you start missing being a priority in somebody's life, for example. Um, so I think the first thing I realized is my desire and my thirst were actually still for love, but there's just so many kind of facsimiles that we think are love. We think attention and affection and power and control and success and admiration and status and all of these things were love, but they're not. Um, and I think at that point, <clears throat> the next thing I started to, to look at was this idea of finding love and then realizing that there isn't finding love. It's just realizing and being open to the love that's there, you know, and, and realizing that it really was, um, it wasn't about doing or being something to find this love. It was about, you know, clearing, clearing the pathway. Um, it was about letting go. You know, letting go of insecurities, letting go of old habits and beliefs. And that had to start inwards. And, you know, defining self-love, realizing that that is a lot more pragmatic than I thought. You know, people say, love yourself. I love myself. But what is loving yourself? And it's literally treating yourself the way you treat people you love. Because we don't. And often we don't do it because we believe we don't deserve love. Or we don't, you know, we feel like we know ourselves best and we know our imperfections, we know our insecurities, and we feel like all of these things disqualify us from love. Not remembering that everybody that we we love right now has insecurities and imperfections, and none of that disqualifies them from love because there is no qualifications for love. There's nothing that you need to do or be or accomplish for love to be in your life. And then you started to realize like, okay, so a lot of these ideas, why do I have these ideas? Why do I feel like I need it? Well, you may have to look a certain way or be a certain way to get a date or get a phone number or get a job and a lot of these things, you know, but these aren't love, you know? And I think, you know, and then we also live in a society that needs to sell us stuff and the way to sell somebody something is to make them think they need it. So, you know, we need these makeup products. We need these expensive suits. You need this $10,000 watch. You need this, you know, extravagant sports car. And what it's going to do is going to, it's going to create, a life for you where you're going to be desirable to other people or you're going to be respected by other people. And all of this is just external. Mm -hmm. So then I started to realize like, okay, well, I know people who have all this stuff and I got the friends with the low body fat and the abs and I got the mm -hmm. friends with the nice watches and the nice cars and fly the private jets. And they, you know, they're, they tend to be in the exact same space that I am in terms of mental health and mm -hmm. overall happiness and, they have a couple of cool other cool experiences but in general like they're we're all kind of in the same boat mm -hmm. and then really realizing that okay you know this this the solution to this internal yearning is going to be internal as well um and that's what helped me realize that you know self self-love is really this journey of prioritizing your self-respect over your self-esteem how you feel about yourself is dramatically more important than how anybody else feels about you and often, the better you feel about yourself, the better those others will feel about you as well, whether you whether that's a priority or not. Um, so that journey really had me going down and be like, okay, well, how do I love myself? Um, and learning now, that, what did that journey look like for you? Like, was it? Did it include therapy? Did it include um, meditation? I think people often want to know how you found that place of love and acceptance for yourself. And I think as you're talking too, I'm thinking about what if someone who's listening is actively abusing someone else, whether emotionally or physically, 
And it's this moment of, holy cow, I, I, the people that I love, I actually don't treat the way I should. I know I've just yeah, and dumped and a I, lot on right on right here. But. Oh no, no, not at all. I think I think it's amazing. Um, and I think and and I like that you you know you framed it from the position of being abusive versus being abused because I think oftentimes we don't take ownership when we're making the toxic choices in, in some of our relationships. Mm-hmm. The way we treat the way we treat others is always a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. And um, again, so that's going to start internally. So I mean, from a pragmatic you know, like actual practical tips on how people can actually love themselves. I think the first thing you have to realize is in any relationship with yourself or with other people, uh, vulnerability is that first step to build a bridge. Mm. You know, if I want a deeper relationship with you, I have to be vulnerable with you. I have to recognize that vulnerability isn't zero or a hundred. You can, there's different levels to vulnerability. You know, I don't have to tell you my deepest, darkest secrets the first time we meet. But I can be vulnerable with you. I can talk to you about the first time I lost my dog and how that made me feel and how mm-hmm. I hesitated to get another dog, uh, you mm-hmm. know, until 10 years later. And, you know, the different emotions that come with that. That's something I could tell a stranger the first time I meet them and right. not worry about it being TMI or scaring them away. You know, that that that's the first step to establishing a relationship with somebody to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, that vulnerability also exists inwards. You know, right. so I was going to say it translates ourselves. to ourselves too. It definitely does. So that vulnerability, you know, one of the simplest ways is through journaling. Um, you know, I think self-awareness is definitely our salvation. So for me, therapy, I think is essential. Um, any form of therapy. So, and I remember speaking to my therapist about it because therapists are expensive and yes, saying, you know, we are. what's, yeah. <laughs> so the question, you know, and, and as somebody who, who, who grew up, um, you know, my dad was a cab driver, you know, and mm-hmm. single income family. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I have a super big soft spot in my heart for the working class and mm-hmm. accessibility. Uh, so speaking to my therapist about it, being like, well, what if somebody can't afford therapy? What is the best option? And she said, religiously journaling every single day mm-hmm. um, is the closest thing you can do. Um, you know, therapy is about observing yourself. It's about picking up on your patterns. It's about getting out of black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, d- dumping everything out of your head onto a page and observing it, you know, talking about an event that got you charged up, writing about it, then writing about your emotions around that event, then writing about your thoughts around those emotions. It's really about observing yourself mm-hmm. and realizing that you aren't the thoughts. You aren't the emotions. You aren't right. the events. You aren't your ego, right? I you mean, that's that's what ego, you're yeah. doing is you're stepping out of out of the egoic mind. And by watching those thoughts, by by observing those thoughts as they're written on the page, you're observing that they are not you. Yeah. And it becomes very clear how many of us or all of us uh, to various degrees are floating through life kind of unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're being, we're almost like pinballs, just kind of bouncing around and and being extremely reactive to to kind of the outside world that we have. So uh, a great way of, of establishing that vulnerability with self and, and getting to know ourselves on a deeper level uh, is journaling. Um, another one I feel is extremely important is irrespective um, and, and again, even with the journaling, you, you have to protect that journal. Like you have to be able to freely write in that journal in such a manner that you're never afraid that it'll ever get discovered. Because I think it can get performative. Here's mine quickly. right here. I was 
journaling earlier today. Amazing. So, yeah, Amazing. and I'm not a I'm not a lover of journaling, but I've been trying to dump some thoughts. So Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And, and it is amazing because I feel like sometimes I don't, I catch my, you know, as life gets busy, I don't make time for journaling, but then I start to feel like my, I've hit my limit. I'm full and I need to dump it out. And then the moment I, I start journaling, I'm like, oh, that wasn't as much as I thought. You know, yeah. it was, it feels way more heavy. It inside. totally does. It totally and then, does. And like, I'm like, wait, that's all I had. It like seemed like a lot when it was in my head. Yeah. It's it only one like it, page. Yeah, it's one page, but it felt like 10,000 pounds on my brain. Right, and, right. And I hope people recognize that's the therapeutic value of it. Hence, you know, the word therapy and, you know, and speaking speaking to a, a you know, a, a, licensed, a licensed therapist, it's, it's dumping it out to somebody who's, you know, has additional tools and insights to, to help you kind of process that information and mm-hmm. can, you know, lightly nudge you in certain directions with their questioning and, and, with them picking up on the frames. And I think that's important. Another one I think is extremely important is uh, irrespective of your religious beliefs, prayer. And what I realized the beauty of prayer is prayer is a great way to be authentic about what you actually want from life and to be authentic about what you're actually grateful for. So if you do, you know, traditional leaning over your bed, put your hands together, prayer and say, you know, dear God, dear almighty algorithm, Dear, you know, whoever, algorithm. Yeah. yeah, whoever, whoever you, who, dear whoever Alexa, you, yeah, dear Alexa, whoever, you know, when you say thank you for and see what comes out of your mouth, what you're mm-hmm. actually grateful for, um, instead of just kind of being performative and being like, thank you for the oxygen I get to breathe. Like, it may be like, you know, thank you for that extra $10,000 in my bank account that allowed me to take this trip to Hawaii and, and, and meet my future partner. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. And I think the expression of gratitude will will allow you to become more aware of what actually matters to you. Um, and I think that's important. And then also when you pray for, when you ask for things, it'll also express, help you realize what actually matters to you. Because you start to realize that what you actually want out of life may be different from other people. And I think that's really important. So journaling, prayer, um, I think. Do you dancing, find that prayer, oh, hang on, because. I want yeah. to hear about dancing, but do you, cause I love to dance. Do you hear, do you think that prayer has to be a formal experience? Cause sometimes for me, I find like I can just, or gratitude, like that could just be something throughout the day where I'm just noticing and being grateful, noticing and being grateful or asking and thinking, you know, sort of, it's not necessarily a process where I sit down and say, I am so grateful for, but that as it comes I notice and appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I believe that anytime that we're like really happy is what we're we're actually doing is expressing gratitude. You know, somebody 
takes you to the top of the Eiffel Tower and then you see the view and you're like, wow, this is amazing. You're, exp- you're expressing gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was your 15th time up there, you know, that gratitude won't be there because, you know, it's not going to be as magical as it was the first time. So I think, you know, that's what I realized is throughout the day when we have those moments of gratitude, you know, they're more reactionary to life and they're, they're less intentional. Um, whereas if we sit there and decide, well, what am I actually grateful for? I think it also allows us to kind of uh, get those drops of dopamine and as well as kind of relive those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, so when somebody says, uh, what was the highlight of your 2022? Now you have to go back and think about it and then you get to relive it and just reliving it is, is almost re re-experiencing it. And, you know, that you kind of flooded with that gratitude. So I think what it, the way I look at it is just intentionally creating more moments to feel great mm-hmm. and feel good. And also build a deeper level of self-awareness if you start to pick up on patterns where you're like, oh, oh, okay, like, you know, these are the things that actually matter. And, I'm, and I was just thinking about a friend of mine, um, you know, who's, when we were talking about like what he was looking for in a partner, he had a really interesting answer where he's like, look, I, you know, I'll date somebody and he's a su- successful entrepreneur. And you're like, you know, they think the best way to contribute to my life is, you know, maybe cleaning up the apartment or like cooking me a nice meal. And he's like, these actually aren't things that matter to me as much as Mm -hmm. if I have to delay a plan, if I have to cancel a plan last minute because work got in the way for them not to make me feel guilty. Mm -hmm. He goes, I'd rather than be okay with a 930 plan moving to 1030 and not making me feel bad than them ever cooking me a meal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's him going through his journey, figuring out what matters to him. Well, and then I think being able to express that is the vulnerability piece, right? Yes. That we're all so scared of. Like, if I say this out loud, am I not going to get love? Yes. And and that goes to that. That also goes to this idea where we mix up being loved and liked. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, our we're definitely internally wired to, to, to chase acceptance because I think that was a survival tactic, especially when we were in smaller communities. Mm-hmm. So the idea of being rejected, the idea of not being liked, you know, for thousands and thousands of years actually meant death. You know, it meant ostracism. It meant you're on your own. So those, you know, we we self-corrected and, and, and made ourselves likable and understood. And, you know, we're almost people pleasers back then. Now, it's, you know, being rejected being left out, none of this leads to our physical death. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it just kind of sucks. It's FOMO, it's whatever. Right. And I think it's just building that awareness of like, okay, well, <clears throat> now we overcorrect to be likable. We're actually denying ourselves opportunities of love because what we're not doing, because now most likely what we're doing to be likable is we're reducing our boundaries. Um, you know, we are, we're not showing our teeth, you know, mm-hmm. so we're creating more opportunities for resentment. Um, we are not meeting our own personal needs. We're putting other people's needs ahead of ours. So now we're just totally sabotaging ourselves, uh, thinking that this will be, you know, this will make other people like us. And again, that's choosing self-esteem over self-respect in my view. And as I said, doing this internally is, is way more important. So talk to me a bit about, you were saying other things you could do, dancing. Yeah. So another, as, as I said, you know, the, the recipe is no different in our relationships with other people than it is for ourselves. So, you know, part of establishing a relationship with another person is, is this is level of physical vulnerability and intimacy. And I think dancing is a great way, again, to do that for yourself, you know, close the blinds, play your favorite song and just dance, you know, and get in attunement with your body, feel your body, see how your body moves, feel it. Um, I think that's really important 
because a movement in general is just medicine you know mm-hmm. great things happen when you move um great things happen when you breathe deeper when you exercise just great things happen um and again this, this is not a magic pill this is this is just you know it just everybody knows this from their own lives once they're they're more active so i think you know dancing is a great way of doing that as well um you know and then there's there's other activities to be more physically you know intimate with yourself whether it's self-havening and hugging yourself or you know another activity that that i really promote is looking in the mirror naked and 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 challenging yourself not to be critical and challenging yourself to be more grateful recognizing that that body in front of you has been with you since day zero and has Mm -hmm. done everything in its power to be there for you support you um work around our crappy diets work around our bad postures everything that we do you know whether we smoke cigarettes or consume a lot of alcohol the body tries its best to work with us and just mm-hmm. looking at it and saying thank you instead of looking at it with this critical eye, wishing it was better. Um, well, and even in those moments, I think there can be power in noticing. Can you say thank you to your body or do you go to the place of criti- criticizing? Yeah. Even that exercise is an exercise in recognizing what you were talking about, which is when our ego steps in and basically tells us we're not worthy of appreciating ourselves. One thousand percent. And then also asking ourselves you know like how are those ideas reinforced well they're definitely reinforced when you go on social media they're definitely reinforced whenever you go shopping you know and and these are by design you mm-hmm. know if if everybody was happy with themselves they wouldn't be contributing to the economy the way people are right now trying to you know fill a void mm-hmm. um and i think there's there's an important side to that and that's why you know the subtitle of the book is simple truth for going easier on yourself mm-hmm. because as I said, like this need to be liked, the need to be accepted, the need to, you know, be more than what we currently are, the need to feel like we have to be more perfect. I think a lot of the stuff is downloaded onto us. And these aren't things that we can just like flip a light switch and, and overcome. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think we can overcome insecurities or overcome this need for acceptance or overcome um, that critical eye when we when we look. But I think we can be, be more aware, be more aware of it and be like, okay, my default, my reactionary state is to be critical, but now I'm going to be more responsive and I'm going to do the actual work and, and flip that into gratitude. Um, and I think that that just that level of self-awareness is is going to be so liberating. You You have this quote in your book, we are flawed people raised by flawed people. Hmm. Let's talk about that because I think it's so profound to think about we're we're human and so we're we are flawed but that doesn't make us unlovable yeah yeah perfection should not be a a a quantitative qualification for 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 love uh the example i use in the book is there's there's a video on youtube of like a four minute compilation of beyonce falling off stage and messing oh right 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 yeah yeah and it's just a simple challenge of watch the video, see if you actually love her any less, if you're a fan. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. anything, it'll probably be the opposite. You'll, you know, you'll see her vulnerable side and it'll make you love her even more, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think when it goes to, you know, when we were, our, our understanding of those who raised us, which is often our parents, you know, we, we were young and our brains were developing, you know, I think the brain develops until like mid twenties and it's like, so it's like, 
And you know, we now know that there's even neuroplasticity beyond that, you know, with so much of the research that's happening right now. That is, you know, and that's bananas. Think, you know, think about how much of our personalities and our life choices and our direction are, are created so young and, and when we're still developing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, there's this idea of, I think a lot of people now are are, are in this phase of recognizing past trauma or, or past influences and how that has shaped them. And then they kind of stop there. Like, well, I, I had a I had a parent who was X, Y, Z. So that's why I'm like this. Yes. And, yes. and yeah. And for me, it's like, no, we have to take it a step further. It's like, OK, cool. You've identified gaps in your upbringing because you were raised by imperfect individuals. Right. But now it's your responsibility to fill in those gaps. Right. Because you have self-pity in itself is this fast food version of self-love. You know, and it's very easy to, to to view yourself as a victim, but there's no empowerment there. Well, and show me someone who hasn't been raised by flawed people. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and the thing, too, is and then anybody who's been, uh, I think, yeah, they don't exist. And right. I think that's right. and I think that's the thing. But there's this I think there definitely is, um, as I said, it's, it's very convenient or easy. To just say, okay, well, now I can feel sorry for myself. Now I'm a victim mm-hmm. of my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Not recognizing that without taking any accountability or responsibility. Taking responsibility is probably the better word. Take responsibility just for empowerment. If mm-hmm. I'm driving in my car and somebody hits me from behind and it's 1000% not my fault, it's still going to be my responsibility to get the car repaired, to do all the insurance work, you know. It's not my fault, but it's still my responsibility. Right. It's not your fault that you were raised by people that weren't perfect. It's not your fault that you had a, you might have had an extremely shitty childhood, but it is your responsibility now to identify those car. gaps and do something. Yeah, fix the car. Right. Address the car. You can be your own nurturing parent now. I have I have a friend who grew up in the streets uh, with a mother who who had, who had challenges with addiction, so he did not have a very traditional childhood Mm -hmm. he has since you know made a really good life for himself and you know he recently just told me he took himself he goes i took my inner child to the dollar store and we went on a shopping spree Mm. and i bought myself every toy i ever dreamed of when i was a kid and he goes yeah he goes it was 30 dollars worth of yeah 30 dollars worth of cheetos chocolate bars and all this stuff and you know i think and he's like a you know a very healthy and shape individual, but it's like he did this for his inner child. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, I know when you were a kid, you wanted this so bad. Here you go, let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, and walks out of the store with a bag full of candy and chocolate. And I'm sure you know he he ate a bunch of it, and I'm sure regretted it after because he's such a healthy eater. <laughs> he know, definitely he, felt the effects. Yeah, he probably felt the effects, but I but. just loved, I love that idea because I think, and he was just also talking about how it started bringing up this kind of internal dialogue where his inner child was speaking to him about the way he walked and the way he moved and asked him all these questions about him as an adult. Like, why are we walking so fast? And then him being like, well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where we grew up, you had to walk really fast and keep your head on a swivel and, and keep yourself safe and well, I guess we don't have to do that anymore because we don't really live in a bad neighborhood anymore. So, you know, maybe I need to let go of some of these, you know, protective layers that I have. And I think that that whole just buying candy was the catalyst for that kind of internal dialogue. And I think there's a beauty to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just recognizing that you have the capability to fill those gaps in now, you know, and and again, and and, and buying yourself candy is a a superficial kind of surface level, but there's also 
But what that allowed was for that opening and that conversation Mm. to happen, Mm. right? When we can attend to that, that child within us that feels, and again, I want to say, I don't think it matters if you had great parents. This is some of what Gabor Mate talks about in his work. It doesn't matter if you had the best parents in the world or the worst parent, the worst childhood in the world. At some point you experienced um, empathic failures. Yeah. Whatever those fail. He might've gotten fed Cheetos and candy and all of that. And then as an adult grown up and felt like, I can't believe all my parents did was feed me Cheetos and candy bars, right? Yeah, there's that. I think there's also the the fact that, you know, the younger you are, you know, you kind of have a center of universe mentality. So it's like, even if you experienced your parents, even if your parents weren't upset with you, but you've seen them upset, you might have internalized that. You know, my dad could have had a hard day at work, came home and been a grump. And Mm -hmm. and, and eight-year-old me doesn't have context to understand that. He's not it's mad not at you. me. Right. Yeah. I right. think it's me because I showed him my my A and he just, you know, kind of disregarded it. And right. then I internalized that. And then you start creating a pattern that, oh, I have to earn his attention. I have to mm-hmm. earn his pride. I have to mm-hmm. earn. And then you start to think that's love. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then I, you know, then I might find myself only attracted to people who make me earn it because that that's familiar. That's my, right. that's, you know, that's, that's a nostalgia factor. Right. And, and then you're unconscious in your life. And then mm-hmm. when you become conscious, that's when you can correct those, those, Completely. those pathways, those patterns. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, and, and even for me, like, you know, even through this journey, I feel like I have become, um, I'm, I'm, I'm in between conscious and correct. Sorry. I'm in between the mm-hmm. consciousness and the correction. So mm-hmm. I've, I've become much more conscious, um, and then, you know, maybe a lack of discipline or just by habit, I don't make the corrections. And then, you know, I, 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 I get kicked in the teeth by life, but then there's a, okay, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves because we know why that happened. Like, you know, you identified your red flags in dating and you met this really pretty girl. You saw her red flags. You decided to disregard them. It all blew up in your face two weeks later, but take ownership. You know, you don't get to feel sorry for yourself because you knew it was going to happen. Right. And then in the back right. of my head, I'm like, we might do it again, but at right. least we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. You know? Right. And maybe you're one step closer to not doing it again because you're like, this, oh, yeah. there's those red flags and I'm going to listen this time. And I'm yeah. not going to beat myself up over being human. Exactly. It, yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, you know, a symmetrical face sometimes trumps a red flag and I'm learning the hard way that it shouldn't, <laughs> you know, and it's. It's it, it, that and, damn and ego, that damn ego. It is that damn ego. And and it's really hard. And you start yeah. to see how I, I think the interesting thing that I've been learning, especially as a, as a, a a man who grew up in a, in a culture that, again, it's all subtle signals, but thinking vulnerability was a weakness. And then, you know, building up all these layers of protection and, and a fortress. And then as an adult starting to realize, oh, that fortress is a prison. Mm-hmm. And now, and then understanding the way this prison is designed, especially with everybody, is now everybody serves as a prisoner and a guard. Mm-hmm. So even mm-hmm. if it's, even if I'm trying to do better, I have to be mindful of the company I keep because they may be reinforcing the old stuff. You know, they may make the comment to, to make me go back into my shell if I try to be vulnerable. They may you know, validate if I show up to the party with a really pretty girl who's not, who's, who's, whose personality doesn't gel with mine, mm-hmm. but they validate me like, whoa, 
Wow, right. how'd you do that? Right? Yeah, because then what does it mean about it. you? It m- must mean a prescription about you. Exactly. Right? If you and, can. Yeah. And then we're all in this social media generation now where everything, there's so much, you know, subtle rewards for doing things for display purposes. Just mm-hmm. looking happy seems to be more rewarding than being happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and as I said, if we're if we're floating through life unconsciously and 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 we all are on different degrees, you know, and again, like this it's literally the smartest people in the world building these these mechanisms to keep us trapped in. You right. Know? Right. These, these companies have all the money and they're gonna as hire my all the best son, as my as my 13 year old says, I'm not gonna get stuck in the matrix. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, it, it's like, yeah, you might not be stuck in the matrix you're aware of. You know, it's, it's just, and there's, le- there's just endless levels to it. And it's, as I, I remember, I was an elementary school teacher before all of this. And I thought the biggest cage I lived in was a, a, a day job. You know, mm. I thought I wasn't free. And I feel like I, I, I hopped the fence and I got out and I became self-employed. And then, and then maybe, you know, you run six feet and then you bump into another fence. Right. And right. then you start to realize like the biggest cages that I'm actually in are like the cages of my habits. And my the mind, cages, the my, cages mind, my mind, yeah. yeah, they're all internal. It's not you can unplug yourself from you know the external world in so many capacities, but the real issues is is internal. And if you address it internally, then it doesn't matter if you have a day job. It doesn't matter if you're doing half the things that you're doing, um, being on your phone or whatever. And I think that's that's become a really interesting journey for me to kind of recognize. And as I said, like for me, <clears throat> it's you know if I were to. If I had the ability to shove any religion down people's throats, it would be the religion of self-awareness. Just pick mm-hmm. up on your patterns, pay attention to yourself, take, you know, take take intentional time to to revisit and process things and realize that is your salvation in mm-hmm. all of this. It's just know yourself and also how, how do we, also realize on that that journey is still going to be limiting because it is such it is such a a, a a mind-blowing concept that the brain is even aware of itself yes, so it is. yeah so like the most self-aware individual you know maybe that should be the new 10 percent. you know there's that myth about we only use 10 percent of our brain yeah maybe maybe the new maybe the new framing should be the most self-aware person can only be aware of 10 percent of themselves maybe that might be a better way of putting it like we have endless blind spots and we you know and it's 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 potentially an entire universe in there you know mm-hmm. there's probably an, an an inwards infinity that we we can't even grasp um and i think that we should just begin that journey and celebrate the progress well and then i think even beyond that is our connections to each other and how those connections reverberate within our minds i'm going to take mm. brains out of it minds or our consciousness and yeah. how then that is impacting us in various ways that we also aren't even conscious and aware of. I mean, it's so, like you said, it's so multi. Yeah, like we, we, can, we can literally just be drops in the ocean and, and the membranes that make us feel like we're separate from the rest of the ocean is that ego. Right. And it, Completely. Yeah, it's, just about, it's just about popping that membrane. And, you know, I've, and I feel like I've had those experiences, but, you know, only through the assistance of, of, of a medication or, you know, a, a DMT or something like that. And you mm-hmm. get it for like, you get it for like eight minutes and then you're like, holy crap, I became everything and nothing. Right. And eight. then you yeah. spend the rest of your life trying to get back to that place again. Yeah. And you or, can feel it. 
feel that or just even spend the rest of your life now adjusting to this new level like i think the the amount of the amount of emotions that that unlocked for me just moving forward for at least a solid four months before mm-hmm. like you know i feel like it was that journey was like the kool-aid man kicking down all my walls i think mm-hmm. every every other journey i'd ever taken it was like i had to voluntarily surrender and then that journey was like no we're just gonna kick it all down mm-hmm. all the walls are broken you are now free from from all of these things and then you know life builds up a new wall you know then you go back to normal life and then new walls right. established you know and then you start to realize like whoa okay well three months ago like yeah i couldn't i couldn't get through finding nemo without just like my face leaking and i couldn't you know have a conversation with anybody or i couldn't make eye contact with a puppy without crying it was so intense right because you were feeling the depth of the connection that we yeah. all have that we all build around ourselves yes exactly and it's it's and again as i said it was a you know they i think they they refer to it as the handshake of the handshake with god you know it was a it was a it was a slight preview of what existence could be beyond mm-hmm what we understand. And it was like, yeah, you know, you spend the rest of your life trying to figure out how can I do that through meditation or how mm-hmm. can you do that through different things. And, mm-hmm. and, and even, you know, going back to these, the list of things that we can do for self-love, my, my personal definition of meditation is doing nothing, you know, just being alone and doing absolutely nothing. I don't, and I think the reason I like that definition is so often when we sit down to meditate, there's a voice in our head saying, am I doing this right? Right. Am I doing yeah. this right? And I think if you tell yourself, well, the goal is to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Just sit there, do nothing. So there is no right or wrong. Like we're taking right or wrong out of this equation. Just set a timer and now you're doing it. And maybe your 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 mind might be saying, no, well, how much time's left? How much time's left? Which I still think is fine. And and I kind of view that as like a, a natural way to kind of clear out the inbox to your brain. But I think it's also realizing uh reestablishing a relationship with yourself where you can enjoy your own company mm-hmm. and you know loneliness isn't uh, a circumstance loneliness is a feeling mm-hmm. you know loneliness isn't being alone loneliness is not enjoying being alone because when you enjoy being alone mm-hmm. you're in solitude mm-hmm. you know so and also you can feel lonely in a crowded room totally yeah. you could feel yeah. lonely in a lot of relationships and I think that yeah. goes back to the vulnerability piece. I think mm-hmm. when we aren't being vulnerable with ourselves or with others, it makes us feel more vulnerable, more alone because yeah. we feel like we're the only people experiencing what we're experiencing when everybody's experiencing what we're experiencing in different forms. Yeah. Yeah. No, 1000%. I, th- I always use a heartbreak uh, example where it's like everyone thinks their heartbreak is the first heartbreak on the planet mm-hmm. and that requires them to ignore the million heartbreak songs that are already out you know somebody else has right. experienced this they've processed this they've written about it they've created art around it but you know our heart our first heartbreak feels like the worst thing in the world mm-hmm. and it's um oftentimes i think that's what the issue is and i and those are a lot of times the messages i get from people who read the books is like, I thought I, only I was going through this. And it's like, no, we're all in the same boat. We just, right. And that's just, that's the drop of the ocean versus the ocean, right? Yeah, exactly. We just think because the names are different, that that makes our specific issue. It's like, no, like the, the details of the issue aren't as as important as, as the feelings, the emotions, the thoughts and the experiences that come from it. So before we wrap up for today, let's talk about love, love the verb versus love the noun. Yeah. So, you know, as I said, when we talk about finding love, earning love, you know, 
I think a lot of that is this, this like love is some sort of prize. Love is the, love is the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and, and there's no empowerment there because it does feel passive. You got to find it. You got to win it. You got to search for it. You got to deserve it. You got to be worthy of it. Um, whereas love the noun is service. You know, nobody mm-hmm. can stop you from serving. Nobody can stop you from loving. Um, nobody, you know, you the only way for you to stop loving others is if you forfeit that, you forfeit that, you know, your ability to love is probably the most valuable thing in your wallet and focusing on, on love as an action, viewing it as service and understanding that. I think very often the challenge is we, I think are are conflated or misguided understandings of love really have to do with the romantic element of it. Um, because that's when we want reciprocity, you know, mm-hmm. that's when we want it to be, uh, uh, we start viewing love as like a loan, you know, I lend it out, I get it back. Um, but in every other relationship where, where, where we have love, we don't, you know, you, you have a child, you know, there's, there's no reciprocity when the little baby, when you hold the little baby, you mm. know, the little baby makes you know, does something, you know, gives you a gift in the diaper, you know, like that's, you know, my, as my sister says, you know, she's a 17 year old now. She goes, just every year, they just find different ways to poop on me. And she goes, and every year I just have to remind myself. I love being pooped on. (laughs) Yeah. They just, and they're pooping on you different ways as they get older. And your job is is, going to always be the same thing, which is keep them alive. Right. You know, you don't just sit. she goes, my mantra is keep him alive, keep wow. him alive, keep him alive. Right. And then maybe when he's 18, he'll figure out how to keep himself alive. But she's like, but probably not, but probably no, <laughs> definitely not. And it's, it's, it, I think there's no questions about reciprocity. There's no questions about, you know, am I getting something back? There's no questions about how we established a relationship. None of these things matter. You know, I think with our family, with our siblings, with our friends, you know, we're, we're not as concerned with reciprocity. Whereas a lot of the things when you first meet somebody, when you're trying to begin a romantic relationship, that's all you think about. Now you mm-hmm. think about your presentation. You think about putting your best foot forward. You think about, you know, who pays the bill. You think about all of these different things. And I think that's where we're having this morbid view of of love. And I think that's distortion. Whereas if we focus on love as service, we can love everybody irrespective and we can put ourselves in a healthier situation as a source of love where we'll be okay either way whether we establish a relationship with somebody romantically or not because we'll start to recognize a lot of the things that we often outsource we can we we can provide ourselves within mm-hmm. um and i mean look at the divorce rate in the united states you know i i, I view that often as that's a result of people trying to outsource the antidote of their loneliness. You mm-hmm. know, like, no, and I think and not look at themselves and love themselves and and looking for that other person to fix inside of them what's wrong. Completely. Yeah. And I think it's also just super important to just recognize also, like, again, I don't think people are stupid for taking that journey because I think also, as I said, we have an economy around it. You know, every every single movie you watch will make you fall in love with the wedding more than the marriage mm-hmm. because you they know? don't show the marriage a lot of times and they when they do the it's like the those dark stories right where like yeah. the marriage gets torn apart because a child dies or whatever yeah. it is but that's 
that's the reality of of the life of a relationship. That exactly, and it's as I said, and you start to also realize that, like, if you looked at the healthiest relationships that you know, you'd be like, oh yeah, these guys would not make for great TV. You know, right. there's right. not a there's there's not a lot of events. It's not a very eventful, you know, because love is peace. Right. You know, and, and you know, it's, it's it's like, you know, it's like watching the fireplace channel. You know, it's just that channel. Oh, I love that channel. I love that. Yeah. When you go into like a doctor's office and it's just the fireplace. It's just the fire, and I feel like that's what watching a healthy relationship would be versus, mm-hmm. you know, watching two people, you know, address conflict in a healthy manner. Watching two people, you know, kind of not live for the high highs and the low lows, but kind of be even keel. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to be Ross and Rachel. You know, because right. Ross, for for Ross and Rachel to be entertaining, it's got to be a cat and mouse game. It's it's literally you need a going to attachment styles. You need the avoidant and you need the uh, anxious. You know, you can't have a secure person on screen because it, mm-hmm. it, they're going to be boring. And I think and then you know, this becomes the template for what people think relationships should ex- look like, particularly if that's what they see in their lives, too. Ex- exactly. And then also when you have, you know, uh, you know, I'm Punjabi, which is, you know, the northern part of India, you know, the wedding, you know, a Punjabi wedding, like, you know, your small Punjabi weddings of 500 people, mm. you know, people are spending six figures to have these weddings. There's a booming wedding industry, you know, so, you know, and then everyone is pressured to get married at a certain age, you know, and then there's also the option of arranged marriages. So everything, you know, so if, if you want to have a stable job, you know, the wedding industry is as stable as the funeral industry. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and, and, and it's just really important to see that because you're selling an idea where again, People are going into debt, getting married, and you know financial issues are a massive cause for divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're 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 cutting yourself at the ankles on day one, and right. and and even from a cultural standpoint, what other what other uh, I don't, what other moment in somebody's life do they celebrate the beginning of? You know, we don't throw a big party when we start high school. We don't throw a big party when we start college. We throw a big party when we finish or, mm-hmm. or, or have an accomplishment. Wouldn't it make more sense to throw a big lavish party after 10 years of marriage versus after zero years of marriage and celebrate that you've accomplished something? Right. Yeah. Maybe throw, maybe spend six figures and, you know, have crystal centerpieces when on your 50th anniversary and be like, yo, we, we, we We actually uh, really did this marriage thing. (laughs) We did this marriage thing. And now we can also celebrate with people that we care about right? and our kids can be there and all of this stuff. And, I feel like it's just recognizing that like there's an economy here and, you know, mm-hmm. the people throwing your wedding are going to get paid regardless. The people officiating your wedding are getting paid regardless. The people doing the paperwork for your divorce are getting paid regardless. And it works out for everybody in that economy side of it. And I think that's something just to be mindful of. Um, mm. Because again, well, we grew up on the Disney films. We grew up on whatever. And these things, they, they, they lightly nudge us in these directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody else is getting rich off of it. And we're getting emotionally poor. Yeah, yeah, and financially poor mm-hmm. for that yeah. matter. And I yeah. think, and 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 I think that's just the thing where I start to realize, like, oh, like a lot of you know, I I, I did Wim Hof. I, I I met Wim Hof in 2020, and I went to Poland. Wim Hof is a uh, a Dutch breath. Uh, yeah. breath work, yeah. And we, we sit in the ice, so I got to train with him in Poland. And then I realized, okay, he's telling me to sit in ice, and he's telling me to breathe intentionally. None of this requires me to buy anything, you know, maybe, you know, you think take cold showers or he's like, or, or at the most, let's go to the gas station, buy five bags of ice and put them in the tub. 
And I thought about that. I was like, this isn't like a complicated program. Um, you know, that's why it's not as popular as, you know, maybe taking, you know, antidepressants or, or, or doing half the other things that we can, the, the pill forms of this stuff. Um, and it's not even challenging. It's not even as hard as going to the gym to do his breath work. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize, <clears throat> again, like the popularity of certain things. Like if, if people did a lot of the things that actually make us well, like dancing in a room by yourself, going for a long walk, mm-hmm. exercise. Go um, meet a friend, sit across from them, look at them, talk to them. Yes, sit look from them a friend. in the eye. Prioritize sunlight over your phone light, you know, the sunlight over blue light. Prioritize that. None of these things cost any money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start to realize that if, if 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 the world actually did this, we 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 our economy probably would crumble and it probably would be an uncomfortable time. So I I, I understand how having an anxious population that needs coffee to start their day and Xanax to end their night, you know, keeps, keeps the wheels turning and and, and it allows for whatever we have. But I mean, as, as your son said, you know, we got to get out of this, this matrix. And I think if we pull out one at a time, it may not be such a catastrophic Mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, humble. Thank you for this amazing conversation. I could, I could just stay on here for for a real long time, we could probably go, go a whole lot deeper. Um, but I, I love this. Uh, if people are interested in finding you, you are lots of places. So tell them where, where they can find you. Yep. So you can find me at humble, the poet. Um, I'm mainly on Instagram, but Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, TikTok. Um, we just take our, we just take the stuff from like, youtube and put it on tiktok i try to avoid that app that's a whole other conversation oh my god i know uh, i know yeah um and then you can just visit me at humblethepoet.com and then the book is available everywhere books are available so your barnes and noble your amazons indigo if you're in canada waterstones if you're in the uk and if you can't find it specifically you can go to humblethepoet.com slash love thank you like what you heard today and want to hear more Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 